Broadcasting live from the 970 AM The Answer Studios. It's the Joe Elliott Show, live and local. Follow Joe on Facebook and on Twitter at Joe Elliott Show. Welcome back. More of the Joe Elliott Show here on 970 AM The Answer. And it's a pleasure to talk to the governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Governor Steve Bashir joins us from his office in Frankfurt. Governor, I always appreciate having a chance to catch up with you. And if you think about it, I know this is hard to believe, but a week from today, we'll know who uh, who's going to be sitting in that office here in the next several months. That's right, Joe. It's almost on us. And then uh, about six weeks uh, from today, uh, we'll be inaugurating that person as the next governor of Kentucky. So the time is short. So is this kind of a bittersweet time for you, or what are your thoughts here as, as we're rolling toward the, uh, the the last 40, 42 days, whatever it is? Well, it's bittersweet in a way, Joe, but I'll tell you, I'm, uh, I'm proud and excited about where Kentucky is now uh, as compared to where we started eight years ago when I walked into the office and about two weeks after that, this historic recession hit us all in the face, and we all had to work our way through that, and it wasn't easy, but we made it, and now today, you know, when you look at Kentucky's economy and how it is booming, our unemployment rate is down now to 5%. It's below the national average. Uh, and we were named last year as the leading state in the nation in terms of job creation and economic development. So that excites me. We've got a lot of momentum going. Uh, and, you know, our education uh, standards have really gone up. Uh, our college and career readiness rate has gone from about 34% in 2010 to 62% four years later. You know, that's not where it needs to be yet, but it's really, it's got a great trajectory um, on the upswing. And then, you know, to say, Joe, that for the first time in history, every single Kentuckian has access to affordable health care, that's something that I'm going to treasure. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about if every uh, Kentuckian has has access. In fact, let me let me just back up here because, as you know, that's a major point in this campaign, kind of what we do next. So let me just ask you, Governor, what about what uh, Mr. Bevin is proposing? How about if we disassemble the Kinect and essentially ask for some waivers for uh, for Medicaid and encourage people to uh, to join the, the federal roles? Well, Matt Bevin wants to go that direction bad idea for Kentucky? What are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, Matt Bevin, the only thing he ever talks about is we can't afford this. He doesn't talk about those people that'll lose health care coverage, but he talks about we can't afford this. Well, that's just not accurate. And, and what you need to understand is that, yeah, we can dismantle Connect and put them all on the federal exchange. What that's going to do is cost us about $25 million over the next year to do that. And then the people getting their policies on the federal exchange will be paying a 3.5% premium tax as opposed to a 1% that they're paying now. Uh, and all of these waivers, it ends up still costing the state the same thing. The state it will be paying the same match no matter what waivers we put in. So quite honestly, Joe, that's just a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, we have over 500,000 Kentuckians who now have health care coverage that didn't have it before and, and probably never had it before. And the statistics all indicate that they're already taking advantage of all of the preventive care that is out there now. They're, they're getting their screenings. They're getting the cancer screenings and the diabetes screenings and, and the cholesterol screenings. And, you know, we're going to get people, people healthier, and that's got to be good for all of us. And the thing is, is that the next governor, 
ought to do what I've done every year. They ought to bring in a Deloitte or somebody like that, take an objective look at where we are uh, and, and, and how much money we're spending and can we afford to do this over the next two or three years. So far, those folks tell us that we can, that it's, that it's working fine. But there's a safety net in that if, if we ever conclude that we can't afford it, the governor has the option of pulling back on it. All right, so, Governor, let me ask you, because we've, we're having a major change here, and I, I know we're getting into the tall grass here, and some people have no idea what we're talking about, but we have basically we, we had this organization that's providing the, uh, the, the, the health care that so many folks had signed up with, uh, closing their doors, going away. Now, there are other alternatives, but... You have uh, Matt Bevin and others who say that is that's absolutely going to affect what what's going on here. Which so the the Deloitte study is 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 really not going to be very viable right now because because the the players have changed so much, will change so much in 2016. Well, and that's not accurate. You know, we did have eight insurance companies providing these policies for people. Now we have seven. Uh, and because the the exchange has uh, the uh, co-op has decided right. that it can't issue policies next year, but those people that have a policy through the co-op are going to have from November one to January thirty one and this open enrollment to look at all the other policies, all the other plans. You know they got seven other companies to choose from, and all of those plans have to offer the same coverage. And when you look at the pricing. Most of those plans are cheaper than what the co-op's plan would be next year, and so certainly the figures are still accurate. I mean, one thing this has done for us, we've, we haven't had seven insurance companies competing in Kentucky to sell health care insurance since the early 90s. I mean, this is great for Kentucky. We've got a lot of competition. That means they're going to keep the prices down. And, and our folks are going to get this affordable care. So this, the co-op going out of business, it was unfortunate, but it's like an insurance company going out of business. We've still got seven left that provide exactly the same kind of policies and many of them cheaper. Governor, I want to ask you about something that's really uncomfortable for a lot of us to, to talk about here. But, I mean, I think we, we really have to, we have to focus on this. Uh, those folks who have followed the University of Louisville, particularly the University of Louisville athletic programs for a long time, are really distressed about all the charges and allegations. And, and there's a lot we don't know. And I think you know, we have to let the investigation go forth. But while I'm really concerned about this, I have to ask you about the bigger picture. You know, this happens at a time when, I mean, Dr. Ramsey has had his problems. You know, he talked about anonymous crap, and then the whole thing with with, uh, Robert Fellner came out. Basically, you've had several, I won't go through the whole list, but you've had several instances where where people have have, have taken advantage of of very loose... kinds of, of situations here some are pointing to, to what's happening in the athletic department or what is possibly happening in the athletic department as as just another indication that you don't have people with safeguards in place properly mining the store at the University of Louisville and I, I wonder if that is a if that is a concern to you and Dr. Ramsey's performance is specifically a concern to you at this point. Well, Joe, when you look back over the last several years, uh, the University of Louisville has has grown by leaps and bounds in, in every way, uh, from from not only a number standpoint, but from a quality standpoint. And I think Jim Ramsey has provided really forward-looking leadership in many areas that that has the University of Louisville where it is today. 
But as you pointed out, there there are things that have happened that need to be corrected, like better financial controls. You mentioned uh, several of these professors who, if I remember correctly, basically stole from... Absolutely. And and that just indicates that you don't have the kind of controls in place that you need because that kind of stuff ought to be able to be detected. Uh, and I, I think they're now moving to do that. And, uh, you know, in terms of the future, uh, uh, obviously that's always the, the Board of Trustees' and, uh, decision about where the university goes. But this current situation really concerns me, Joe, uh, because the reputation of the university is on the line. You know, I, I know we all love athletics, and I do too. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. But when you get to the bottom line, this is about the University of Louisville's reputation, not not athletics, but the university as a whole. And, and it, that really bothers me because the University of Louisville has had a great reputation, I think, in growing all the time, and I want to make sure that continues to happen. And so uh, I've encouraged, and I know they are, doing a very thorough review of what actually happened. And the NCAA is in also, and um, I, I agree with you. we got to wait and find out what the facts are, you know, what happened, what didn't happen. Uh, and I don't think anybody should rush to judgment on anything, but I hope they do it this uh, rapidly, completely, but rapidly, thoroughly, uh, and get to the bottom of this. And then if there's action to be taken, of course, that's going to be the president and the board uh, taking whatever action is necessary. And, you know, I don't think we can speculate on that at this point. Right. No, I, you know, I agree with that. And governor, I have to say, I think it, to be fair about this, you have to give Dr. Ramsey great credit for a lot of things that have happened at the university of Louisville. But I also think you have to, I think people have to be held accountable and there have been some there, you know, there have been a, a, a few times where the, where the train has run off the rails and clearly that has been a, that has been a problem. And we're seeing a audit right now of the, uh, of, of the U of L foundation and questions about deferred pay and, and all of those kinds of things. And I mean, I, I just, I think you have a situation here where you have, you can tell the story a couple of different ways. There's, there's lots of things to be proud of and lots of things to be excited about, but at the same time, I can't pretend governor, there's also some real things to be concerned about here. Well, I think you're right, and and I'll tell you, the relationship between the university and the foundation, I think, is something that, uh, of course, Auditor Edlin is looking at, and I think ought to be looked at, because, I mean, when you step back and just look at this from 60,000 feet, Joe, you know, when when a donor comes in and and one of these big donors says, I want to give $10,000 to UofL, I love the school, Uh, you know, here's, I I want to write this check. You know, that donor... I think, thinks that he's given that to U of L, But it actually goes to a foundation, right. which at least right now is not controlled by the Board of Trustees at U of L, And that, that bothers me in that, in that ultimately, and, I, you know, the foundation has done some great things. And I, agree. and I don't know that anything is wrong over there at all, but it's just a matter of philosophy that that Board of Trustees there needs to have ultimate control of money that donors give to the university. Uh, and Because I'll tell you something, if something does go wrong, they're going to get blamed for it. 
So, so if I were them, I'd want to have control of it. Well, last thing about this here quickly, Governor, whether anybody likes it or not, I mean, it, it's, it's whether it's good or bad doesn't matter. We are living in the age of transparency now with all the, with all the video cameras and with all the open records and all of those kinds of things. I mean, the days when people would just get together and make, and make deals and shake hands and, and, you know, not really release any information, those days are gone. That's right, Joe, and and I'll tell you, it's good that they are. I agree, uh, and and uh, that's I think one of the reasons that these kind of foundations were set up originally is to kind of, you know, get it out of the public eye, and they wouldn't have to wouldn't have to have as much transparency. And you're right; those days are gone. I, you know, the court long ago ruled that 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 foundation's part of the university, and so it's subject to open records and open meetings and all of that kind of stuff too. And uh, you know, you just you need to you need to be transparent, and everybody needs to know how the money's being spent, and that it is being spent wisely and fairly. And you got competitive bidding and all those kinds of things, and there aren't any crony deals going on you know that's that's just the way it is governor you have introduced some or you are you're proposing some anti-bullying initiatives and i wonder if you would talk about that and talk about why now we're, we're just we're of course we're winding down here um to talk about your talk about your initiatives and and why this is the right time well, actually, Joe, I, I put a task force together months ago to take a look at this because um, uh, the the secretary of the Cabinet for Health and Family Services and the, sec- and the commissioner of education uh, asked me to do this. They said that, that this, this problem is growing. Uh, we need to look at it. We need to highlight it, and we need to start taking corrective measures. And so we put that task force together, and they have – looked at this issue over several months. They just issued their report. And, uh, you know, what they, what they advise is, number one, this is a big problem. And I know we know that, but, you know, we need to focus on it because uh, just think of the tragic stories that, that we all know about. I mean, kids actually committing suicide because of bullying. And uh, we, we just got to do better. It's a lot of it is centered in the schools because that's where kids are all day long for about nine months out of the year. Uh, but it's also outside of school. And, you know, they're suggesting, uh, number one, uh, uh, kind of putting together a formal definition of bullying so we kind of know, look, here's what we're dealing with and what we're not. And then working with the school districts to to come up with some standards to, to promote a positive climate and culture and, and get into trying to work toward preventing this from happening to start with, identifying folks that have issues, uh, supporting and investing in behavioral health counselors at the local school level, you know, that, that hopefully can work with folks before uh, they, they get into the bullying type of thing and, and, and harm other people. Governor, I think it's fair to say there is a lack of enthusiasm about this uh, about this election day coming up next week. If if you agree with that premise, I think that's that that seems pretty obvious to me. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. If you agree with that premise, why? What's going on? Why do Kentuckians seem to be so disinterested, so apathetic about what 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 is really an incredibly important decision? Well, it is incredibly important, Joe. Because, and I'll tell you from my viewpoint, and obviously. Uh, I'm prejudiced because I'm for Jack Conway, and but but here's why it's so important to me. I have worked hard for eight years to try to get this state on track, and I know there are people out there that won't agree it's on track, and I understand that. But 
we have done a lot of really good things in terms of job creation and moving education ahead and health care and all of these things that I think, where I think Kentucky now is poised to really take off over the next four years. Uh, you know, Jack Conway, we, we won't agree on everything, and he'll have different ideas on lots of things, but we agree on the basics. We agree that the most important things to do are continue educating our kids and to get into early childhood education more and to create more jobs for our people to make sure they're covered by health care because we know in the long run that will make Kentucky one of the best places in the country to live and to work and to enjoy your family. So why do you think people seem so disinterested in this? Well, uh, you know, one thing is, is politics has become so negative uh, that's about all that people hear anymore. Uh, it's hard to cut through the negativity uh, with, with a positive message. Uh, you know, you get all of this dark outside money coming in here. Um, you know, what people, I hope, will remember is that all of these ads run by these outside groups, they don't live here. They won't live here when this race is over. It's, this is a bunch of outside companies, corporations trying to influence who the next governor is going to be. And incidentally, um, next to the governor's race, there's been more outside money spent uh, in the attorney general's race where my son Andy is running. Uh, I mean, the Republican Attorney General's Association has spent over four million bucks trying to beat uh, Andy Bashir, And of course, they're not going to do it. Uh, He's going to win. But um, that's just an example of, I mean, those folks could care less about Kentucky. Uh, they're not going to spend any time here for the next four years. But, boy, their money is really trying to influence uh, who our people end up voting for. So I hope people will just pay attention to kind of where a lot of this money's coming from. Governor, I hope people will get uh, get informed about what's going on here regardless of and I, there's a, There's a lot of room for disagreement in this state in terms of which way we need to go. But I hope people will pay attention make some good decisions next week, and I'll look forward to talking to you again here uh, in another uh, three or four weeks. All right, Joe. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. I appreciate you joining us this morning. Governor Steve Bashir from his office in Frankfurt today. Let's take a short time out. We'll come right back with more of the Joe Elliott Show on 970 AM, The Answer. If you've got questions, we've got answers. 970 AM, The Answer. Welcome back. Joe Elliott, 970 AM, The Answer. We'll get into a little more politics coming up in just a couple of minutes here. Are you going to watch the debate tonight? Is it sort of losing its luster or are you going to be paying attention? And what are you looking for? What issue are you looking for tonight? We'll get into that in just a couple of minutes. Also an interesting piece in the Washington Post today about the relationship between Mitch McConnell and Matt Bevin. Uh, We'll touch on that a little bit as well and more to get to in the next portion of the joe elliott show when we get back together after the news on 970 a.m the answer Joe Elliott Show on 970 AM, The Answer. Follow Joe on Facebook and on Twitter at Joe Elliott Show. Saying I don't know is no longer acceptable. This is 970 AM, The Answer. 
I want to tell you, will you? I refuse to say, get your asses in gear. I will not say that. I will not say it. I will not say it because I don't want to use anything that's even a little bit off. So will you please do me a favor and work with my people and go out on February 1st and vote and give us a victory? If I win Iowa, we're going to run the whole table. Probably will if he wins Iowa. Who knows? There he is, the Donald. He doesn't want to tell you to get it in gear, but please, would you just do it for me, okay? Because it's all about the Donald, as we know. Five seven one zero nine seventy. if you'd like to join us. It's the Joe Elliott Show. So are you going to watch tonight? Oh, come on. Are you going to watch that? See, this is this is a... Bit of a challenge for me. We've got uh, we've got the second game of the World Series. One of my favorite players, the former Red Johnny Cueto, on the mound for the Kansas City Royals tonight against the New York Mets. At the same time that we'll have many of these candidates going on and on and on. And on. Now I will be. Uh, I, I I won't tell you that I won't be fl- catching the uh, catching the game a little bit. But I'll be paying close attention tonight because it's my job and it's also my passion. I love doing this uh, to what's going on at the debate. In fact, I might even torture myself with the kids' table debate. I'm, we'll see how that goes. I, I after the last one, I said I was going to swear off of that and I wasn't going to be watching kids' table debates, listening to kids' table debates anymore, or paying attention to kids' table debates. But we'll see. Um. I don't even remember who's in the kids' table. To, who's at the kids' table tonight, Gary? Do you know we've got? Let's see, we've got Lindsey Graham, we've got Bobby Jindal, we've got. Uh, let's see, I think we've got four. We've got George Pataki, right? Lindsey Graham, Bobby Jindal, and Rick Santorum. I think those are the four that will be at the kids' table tonight, and uh, I, I guess we'll have a few people watching anyway. And then, of course, the big boy debate coming up tonight at 8 o'clock. So will you be watching? 571-0970 is my telephone number. If you would like to join us, I'd like to hear from you. Interesting piece in the Washington Post about Matt Bevin and Mitch McConnell. Democrats now quoting from Senator McConnell's campaign from 2014 in which he used attack ads against Matt Bevin. And, of course, it's a very competitive race for uh, for next Tuesday. I'm not sure people are as interested as maybe we all should be, but it is one of the handful of off-year tests across the country for Democrats and Republicans to see kind of which way the wind might blow in 2016. I don't know how indicative it's going to be. The article quotes, uh, or the article says, Senator McConnell would love to see Bevin cross the finish line despite any bad blood left from their battle last year, Senator McConnell is offering whatever help he can in the final week. McConnell State Director Terry Carmack emailed Bevin directly to say that the Senate Majority Leader was available to do a media event Monday morning in Louisville. Bevin wrote back that he already had plans. Uh, Carmack emailed back to say that uh, McConnell could join Bevin for a unity event the day before the the voters head for the ballot box. He asked whether Bevin 
would be doing the traditional fly-around to every media market at the state and suggested that if so, if uh, Louisville is where he started, that the senator could join Bevin's kickoff before flying back to Washington on Monday. Well, Bevin apparently initially missed that message, but discussions are ongoing, so we'll see what happens. Turnout is expected to be low, uh, but McConnell is is apparently doing what he can, recording robocalls for Bevin, trying to motivate voters. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure that it's as that they're as good of friends as as the article may may point out here. Some of the folks that I've talked to seem to seem be a little different about that, but. It's really not about personalities. It's really about which way the state's going to go. Senator McConnell has done three fundraisers for uh, for Mr. Bevan, according to the Washington Post piece. Organized one in Washington. Matt Bevan says he's gone to bat for me and then some. McConnell, too, said that the nastiness of last year is all water under the bridge. I don't care about that, he said. I think it's important to win, and I think we've got a good chance to win. So the senator was excited about the Republican Governors Association decision to uh, put another $1.6 million into the into the campaign, trying to buy some time, get the word out about uh, about their candidate. The RGA wouldn't be in as big if they didn't think this was winnable, Senator McConnell said. So there's no doubt about it. It was pretty vicious last year. They had they had their differences. But the Washington Post points out that for Senator McConnell, it's business. And they write about how after McConnell's hand-picked guy got beat in 2010, he... Uh, he really went all in for Rand Paul. So they're saying that he essentially will is doing what he can for uh, for Matt Bevin this year. Five seven one zero nine seventy is my telephone number. If you have a comment this morning, let's go back to the phones. We'll say hi to Sharon. You're on the air. Hi, Joe. This is. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about your term, the kids' table. To me, that is very offensive. The men that are sitting there and in that group are very accomplished people. And for you to demean them that way over the air, I think does them a great disservice. Well, I make no apology for, for calling it the kids' table. I think these guys are all at 1% or less. And I think that reality should set in at some point, and they should probably stop wasting everybody's time. But it's a free country, and if people want to watch, you know, I'll probably be I'll probably be tuned in because it's my job, and I do find this stuff fascinating. But you know, politics is it ain't beanbag, as they say. And if if you can't if you can't uh, handle the criticism, you shouldn't get in. It's not about handling the criticism. It's about being decent to other people. I think this is one reason why so many people like Dr. Ben Carson, because 
he is not that type of person. He is not a snarky person who is always making comments that run other people down or demean them or diminish them. And I, I think I think this is why so many people are turning to him in this race. I think people are tired of politicians talking that way and especially the media talking this way. All right. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Jeremiah. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, Joe? Good. How are you? Good. I just want to make a quick comment about that last caller. I believe all the listeners understood what you meant, first of all. And second of all, 1% or less, that is a kid's table. That is a kid's table. That's all I wanted to say. I appreciate the call. And it is a kid's table. And look, we are. I, I understand that there are people who get very offended about almost anything these days. Yeah, I think Ben Carson is doing well. I think Donald Trump is really doing well because... He's walking away from all this political correctness. So our our friend who just called here, Sharon, didn't mention Donald Trump and the the enormous success that he's had just speaking what he believes to be the truth. You know whether you agree with him or not. John, you're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, well, commenting on the debates, uh, I thought they were going to cut down on the number of these debates. Well, they, they did. Weren't they complaining last cycle about? Well, we had too many of these they've cut. They've cut down on them significantly. They have? Yes, sir. Well, I thought, isn't there going to be like 12 or something? I I don't have the numbers. I don't remember the numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but I know they've cut down significantly in terms of what this all goes through the RNC now. Yeah. And so they have cut down significantly. The I think they had 20-some last time. Oh. So. I, it seemed to me that they were uh, – there was more that uh, that they that they made a promise and went back on it. No, I just thought maybe the, the, all these networks were ringing the cash register on this thing. What's really interesting is I think the the establishment, if they had it to to do over again, would have you know they would have more debates because you've had Trump and Carson and you know the outsiders have kind of come in and co opted the they've sort of stolen the show here, which I think makes some of the Republican establishment very upset yeah you read some of the stuff about how uh, a lot of these consultants and you get all these people that make a lot they make a lot of money off of these this this whole thing well everybody's making money john welcome to america i mean this is just you know everybody is uh nothing happens in this country until somebody buys something right i it's really it is the way it is all right, five seven one zero nine seventy is my telephone number. It's the Joe Elliott Show. So, are you going to watch the debate, either the kids' table debate or the big boy debate coming up? the The kids' table uh, convenes at six o'clock. The big boy debate starts at eight o'clock, and it is on CNBC, which it is. They're going to focus more on the economy, and then the Fox News, Fox Business News. Uh, which is sort of the direct competitor for CNBC these days. We'll have one in a couple of weeks. And then in December, their next one will be on CNN. And, of course, Salem Radio is going to be involved in that one as well. So be interesting to see what happens between now and then. Is the Donald starting to lose a little luster here? I'm not sure he's reacting to it very well. But, you know, one thing that is absolutely true, it's Iowa kind of is an outlier. I mean, people who win in Iowa don't don't always win the the general election. So 
I don't think it would hurt Donald Trump too bad if he lost in Iowa to Ben Carson. Do you see Ben Carson winning other states other than Iowa? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Let's go to Brian. You're on the air. Yeah, Joe, I was going to say, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to the debate. You know, I I don't remember who's all in it, but I would assume, you know, Trump, Cruz, Rubio, Bush. Yeah, 10 of them. Yeah, and uh, my biggest thing is, is I, I don't think John Kasich should even be on stage. If anything, he should be at the little boy table because, uh, you know, I, I can't stand the guy. I mean, he's for Common Core. He's 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 expanding Medicaid. I mean, he sits there and runs his mouth about conservatives and stuff. But if you look at the stuff he's done in the state, now he's turned the state around from how bad it was before, but he still embraces a lot of policies that I would say are, you know, of the left or more left-leaning than me. And uh, I don't even know what the guy's pulling. I mean, I don't think he's even pulling 4% or 5%, but he's going to be on the stage. And I, and I think he's probably one of the worst candidates they could put up there. I mean, they'll put him up there, put Pataki up there. Well, you Pataki know, I mean, only pulled. I just, the guy, to me, is one of the worst person candidates possible on that side. I just cannot stand anything he stands for. And I, I think it's, to me, it's offensive that he's even on the stage. I could think of other candidates would be far more informative and probably have more ideas that I would agree with than anything he is. I mean, yeah, it, it all depends on, it all depends on the numbers and, and their, and their cutoff. And of course, guys like Pataki and Graham have, have even less to pull less than, than Kasich. I'd have to check the numbers, but I think, I think Paul is actually uh, less than Kasich right now, but you know, it is all about who, uh, who polls and and what the you know what the cutoff is, which they have uh, which they have announced. But you're going to hear from plenty of you know, ten people there tonight at the uh, at the big debate starting at at eight o'clock tonight. Brian, I appreciate the call. It is interesting. Um, Donald Trump apparently got a great green room, you know, a preparation room at the debate last night. Ben Carson did pretty well. This is at this is in Boulder, Colorado. But apparently, a couple of the candidates did not do so well. Uh, they essentially put Chris Christie and Rand Paul in uh, concrete rooms that uh, also had facilities. Uh, Rand Paul tweeted. Rand Paul's people tweeted. Uh, uh, tweeted the room they put him in. There's the there's the toilet. They they. they Ran and uh, Rand and and Chris did not get the uh, the primo accommodations. Let's just say that. And then, after complaining about it, I think they were moved to <laughs> to some other. But you know, really, it's not about the uh, it, it's not about where you where you are where you prepare. I mean, easy for me to say. My office isn't in the bathroom. I. <laughs> but it really is about can you reach people tonight with your message but fortunately senator paul and governor christie were given better accommodations and they moved them out of the bathroom i'm not making this up by the way you can go find it on twitter larry you're on the air good morning hello hey larry well i'm i'm a diehard democrat so it is i'm just having a ball i got my popcorn and my cold beer ready i'm loving to watch this republican party die a death by a thousand cuts because no matter who they put up I mean, with the stuff these people are saying, they are going to get smashed in a general election. And I'm just loving it. I hope they have as many debates as possible. Because, they, I mean, all they're doing is killing each other. And it's going to make it easy for, for Hillary to just stomp out the ass when she gets there. 
Well, we'll see what happens, Larry. I appreciate the call here. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back and uh, wrap things up on this morning's edition of the Joe Elliott Show. It's all straight ahead. Cal Thomas is next on 970 AM, The Answer. Louisville's home for intelligent, conservative talk. 970 AM, The Answer. Welcome back, Joe Elliott, 970 AM, The Answer. I thought it might be interesting to spend a few minutes with Drew Curtis tomorrow. I know he's, he's not going to win. But he, he's a really bright guy, and I thought it might be interesting to kind of get his sense of what this experience has been like for him, kind of where what he what he has learned about the system as he's kind of as he's kind of gone through it here, and and we'll certainly talk about some issues as well, um, because he didn't crack the ten percent. Uh, the ten percent number. He was not included in any of the other debates. And really, is it is kind of unfortunate that, look, if we had ten percent for the national Republican debates, think about how many people would be at the kids' table tonight. How many people would be on the big boy stage, and how many people would be at the kids' table if we well, we have we would have Trump and Carson, and I'm not sure we'd have anybody else. Depending on how you would uh, you would crunch the numbers for the polls, you might have Rubio. Uh, Jeb and Marco, you know, they, they, they have a, a lot of issues. Marco might make it. Jeb might not. Ted Cruz might not. You'd have a very busy kids table. If the, uh, if the debate cutoff was 10%. So with the cutoff being as low as it is, and I think it was 2.5%. Uh, you're going to have 10 people, and I would expect that over the next couple of months, you might have one or two more drop out. We'll see. Well, as I say, kids' table at 6, main event at 8. We'll be here to talk about it all tomorrow morning on the Joe Elliott Show. Mike Gallagher is straight ahead. Thanks so much for joining us today. Go make it a great day. The Joe Elliott Show on 970 AM. The answer. Follow Joe on Facebook and on Twitter at Joe Elliott Show.